Hey, I'm Allison, host of Fine Cut, a podcast where a guest brings a scene they have strong feelings about love, hate, curiosity from any form of media. And then we discuss the heck out of it for 20 minutes. It's a blast. Join us. Hi, everyone. This is Allison. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fine Cut. Today, I am here with my longtime friend, Krista Schaefer. We have known each other since college. Yay. We were in the same acting class. And if you are a loyal listener of Fine Cut, who else was in that acting class? Anjali Bamani, <laughs> who was my guest, I think, in episode three. So slowly, I'm going to work acting class people into this podcast. Because we're really, pretty great. It was a pretty right? great group of people. Yes, and have gone on to do a variety of amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, Krista is also the founding artistic director of Open Book Theater outside of Detroit, Michigan. And I had the privilege of writing a short play for her theater during COVID that was all performed on Zoom. And it was a real highlight of COVID because it kept me creative. I got to reconnect with Krista, meet wonderful people. And I am just very inspired by the fact that Krista is literally doing the thing that when we were all in college together, many of us dreamed of doing. Krista's living the dream. She's a founding artistic director and she is making theater for her life. Yes, I am. Not that many people doing that. So Krista, what scene did you pick and why? Oh, so I picked, speaking of doing the thing, I picked the opening scene from season one of Slings and Arrows. And the the whole season opens up, you you hear uh, like a toilet being plunged and it's the outside of a building and it zooms in and it says, it's in French, but it says theater without money. Um, (laughs) And it comes in and the artistic director of this small upstart Shakespeare company is plunging a toilet (laughs) while his stage manager is listing the bills that they have. and he's waxing poetic about you know about art and and how the best things that happen she says something about we're hanging on by a thread and he's Mm -hmm. like the best things happen right before the thread breaks and then he fixes the toilet and he goes into the theater where everybody is waiting and he says the toilet's fixed and he says let's start with the um Let's start with the storm and they're they're doing the tempest. Mm-hmm. And so he starts talking, uh, the, the screen goes dark and he's talking about the the stage directions and you know how 400 years ago Shakespeare started this out and, and he talks about the audience putting in their imaginations. And so then you see him describing the storm and you see rain and lightning and the the actors doing the Shakespeare, and then a light blows. <laughs> And then the the um, the theme song for the show comes on, which is also delightful, Buck Up Hamlet. But um, yeah, so that's um, that is the scene that I that I chose. I love the whole the whole series is fantastic, but I I have some some very deep connections to that scene. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and I want to hear about what it is like to run your own small theater. It's not just applying for grants and choosing plays and casting and all the. It's 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 so much. It's, it's so much, and the the show itself. Uh, one of the reasons I love Slings and Arrows so much is that 
it's a lot about running a theater and the difficulties of running a theater mm-hmm. and uh, the the commerce and the art and the 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 marketing and all the things, the personalities that you're dealing with, the artistic personalities, but also about the impact of the art and the beauty of the art. And so the whole season has these, as you see in this opening scene, these juxtapositions that are very funny of, you know, what's happening in the offices or backstage. And then suddenly this gorgeous, moving, beautiful art, which is why we do it all. Um, But one of the things I did not know when I started a theater is how much of it would be about the bathrooms. So I first watched this in 2009 (laughs) before I was even dreaming of opening a company and I binged it. I loved it. I I, I actually had gotten the CDs, the the DVDs from the library. and didn't watch it again until years later after I had opened the company and I'd forgotten that it literally started with a plunging of the toilet at night, just died. We, our third year at Open Book, we, we um, bought a building and converted two storefronts. And on our opening, our grand opening night, the theater was packed. We were at max capacity with 88 patrons in our little black box theater. We were doing Peter and the Starcatcher with a cast of 12, which is huge for our tiny little space. Mm-hmm. We were having a huge party afterwards. We had cut the ribbon. We had everything. We're getting ready. It's like 10 minutes before the show starts. And my friend comes out and she says, Krista, there's a gurgling sound. <laughs> oh, no. no. And I went into the ladies room and there was a gurgling sound. I was like, that can't be good. And one of my board members said, I'm going to take care of it. I'm calling the plumber right now. You go in. It's opening night. Go enjoy your show. So I went in. I gave the opening speech. There were no seats for me in the audience. So I went up and I crawled up into the booth. I was watching the show from the booth. And during that first act, a plumber came in and snaked out the toilets, which were clogged. And the whole building shook uh-huh. <laughs> as he was doing this but there's actually there's a storm in Peter and the Starcatcher and my board member Lee she was amazing she would be like drill now and wait and like, <laughs> she, she would do it during these big loud numbers and the actors were like we thought you had added sound effects and I was like no no that was just and she had the bathrooms cleaned by intermission. Nobody, you know, because when you pull the snake out of the toilet, yes, yes. it's messy. Yes. She bleached the, to- the everything down. For the rest of the weekend, we were very, we were flushing water through the system. We were doing everything we could. And then the following week, we jackhammered out part of the floor that was the stage to replace some pipes because the building had not been piped correctly which we didn't know until suddenly we had 100 people in the building well that's Uh, what I was thinking in slings and arrows and in your story you bought some storefronts so if you're buying some store how many people use the toilet you know and and theater bathrooms get a lot of wear and tear they do and all at once all you know because right before the show everybody and then in your 10 minute intermission everybody goes to the bathroom um, so, you know, we've learned at the end of every night, we run water, you know, through the system and we, we, we only use one ply toilet paper and I apologize because I know, <laughs> sucks, but two ply toilet paper clogs up our system. So mm-hmm. it's much so better. This is a tutorial uh, on how to run a theater also. 
this is important information. If it's, you, you know, it is. And if you're not theater. willing to yes. clean the bathrooms, and fortunately I had a board member who took care of it for me that night, but I have been, I was directing at a high school and I was there for the final dress rehearsal when I got a call from my director who told me that there was water backing up again in the ladies room. It's the end of the line. Um, so I left that rehearsal went over to the theater and cleaned up all the all the sewage that had come up through the floor, called yeah. the plumber, dealt with all of that. Um, one time during a performance, I had two people walking off the street, use the men's room. And to this day, I can't quite figure out how they managed to covered every single surface in the men's room, including the paper towel and the toilet paper with urine. <laughs> and so during the first act of a show, while there was a play happening, I was bleaching down the bathroom. <laughs> Nobody in the audience had any idea that it had happened. Uh, we never, we had the guys on video surveillance, but we never, you know, <laughs> found out who it was. So, you know, and, and I'm cleaning bathrooms all the time and I have to keep them stocked with toilet paper and I have to, you know, it, if you don't have a functioning bathroom, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I've had shows where a bathroom isn't working. And so we're ushering audience members backstage to the actor's bathroom to use that bathroom. <laughs> Um, there's, uh, yeah, who, who knew that running a theater would be so much about bathrooms, which is why right, right. I love this scene. Well, and I think so the scene works as a metaphor, right? Which yes. so for me is watching it. It's like, oh, it's a metaphor. Like he has to deal with the shit of running a small <laughs> theater, you know, juxtaposed with the guy who's working at like Stratford. Yes. Got all the money and all the resources and everything. And so, okay. So they're going to put him in the toilet. That makes a lot of sense. Like it, yep. it's, it's more visceral than like showing him like moving chairs or something. You right. Know, Which you know, I, you know, I'm also a lot of I'm guessing. chairs yeah. and vacuums the lobby and yes. sleeps with sawdust yes. and right. But the bathrooms are very much, you're right. It's this, it's the things that we do to do the art that we want to do. Yeah. Um, and the the shit we put up with and the shit we yeah. deal with too. Yeah. Yeah. To 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 do the art. And then one minute you're plunging the toilet and the next minute you're on stage speaking these beautiful words and moving people with your emotion and and engaging your imagination and that exactly the juxtaposition of the real world versus this sort of heightened beautiful yes. reality. And I also think what I like about that is like, so the guy in Stratford, I don't know, the I'm not going to remember the character's name. So the guy in Stratford, he's dealing with his own shit, right? Yeah. The sponsors, the board, the yep. like his own sense of being an imposter or whatever. Yep. And so they're both dealing with it. And I think there's a life lesson there. Um, which shit are you more comfortable dealing with? Person, mm. you know, like, would you rather be a person who vacuums the lobby and deals with the toilets or would you rather be? Because I think sometimes we all assume that everyone wants to be wildly successful in this traditional way. Make more money, have more people, more butts and seats, be in more newspapers. But I don't really think that's true. And I don't I think we right, talk yeah. about that enough, particularly with younger people, but even with older people. Like, everything sort of has its ups and downs. Like, this is a conversation yeah. I have in our family a lot. Like, nobody's, like, doing art 24-7. And if they are, they're kind of an insufferable prick. Like, because <laughs> yeah. they, they don't know how to, like, live. Right. Or they don't know where the grocery store is. I mean, I know people, I've worked for people, like, that. they don't know how to do things. Yeah. And, and that's to me, is not a life. So, because it's, mundane is part of life. 
Like yes, and it's part of living, and yes. it, it's part of it's part of creating art is understanding right that you know like if you if you don't have that experience, then how do you how do you speak to people who are living you know. Right. Uh, not to say that you know you're living a mundane life, but but who who have mundane as part of their lives? Yes, you know who like go yeah. to the grocery store and like do their wash. I mean, I know there are lots of people who don't do those things. I actually don't hate them. You know, yeah. it's part of life and it's part of being here. So yes. I I also liked it in this scene because, and in the show in general, right? This larger conversation about what what. What purpose does art have in your life? What are you trying to get out of it? Like fame, fortune, or are you just trying to live in those moments of creation? Right. And are you trying to connect with other human beings through this? To me, theater is it's storytelling. It's it's a way of storytelling. You know, there's different ways of storytelling. And to me, it's my favorite. It's the most visceral, yeah. right? You you put you put people together in a room and you say, these people are going to tell you the story and you are going to to engage in the story as active listeners. And we we have some lights and some sets. So we're gonna we're gonna use our imaginations and we're gonna do this together and tell this story and have this emotional experience together as opposed to and I I watch movies and TV and you know yes. we're going to craft this thing together and then put it out into the world and you'll experience it however you experience it in a movie theater and you're on your couch and you, you know on your iPhone on the airplane you know whatever um which is just a different way of storytelling mm-hmm. um similar uh, but but to me it's about that being in the room and I love that that energy and that being in the room that theater There's provides that that other forms don't yeah I, a being in is I think especially with after COVID like there's just something it really brings home like this sort of vulnerability that comes in being in a room with other people which mm. I always felt but this is like another layer of it um because I've been going to more because I have a child who's interested in these things so I've been going yeah. to a lot more um than I used to and I I'm always struck by this sort of all these bodies together the anticipation the the um discovery of what is occurring even the people who've seen the show because you know musicals people have seen different versions of it many times right. right but still they don't haven't seen this version you know they may have read about it and um I just think and I always cry always I mean oh. I'm a big crier anyway but like yeah. in the theater there's I don't know man like I cry much more something. easily in the theater too yeah. because I right I think I think you have those people around you and that that collective experience where you agree we are all going to go through this mm-hmm. and we'll we'll have our individual reaction but but there are you know there are studies I'm sure you know them but that that talk about when an audience is together in a room, their heartbeats will sink. Mm-hmm. Um, That's beautiful. Right. And that idea that the play that, that I'm doing right now, there's a moment I have a line in the show where, um, where I say, uh, spoiler alert, if anybody is <laughs> going to come see Grand Concourse before it closes, I don't know when this airs, but, but, but I, I say she didn't feed my cat and that means something, you know, and, and that, and literally, we haven't done a performance yet where the audience hasn't gasped, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so 
you know, you do it a gazillion times of rehearsal and you forget how that new piece of information and that people are just right there with you. And then suddenly they get a new piece of information um, that I know as a performer and have known, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so they, people have that experience together, that moment of, and it's different every night because we're live. And so the people in the room change it. The performance is always a little bit different, no matter how, because it's live yeah. performance, you know, and just the slightest difference each night is part of the part of the beauty of that yeah. because the audience does feed into that. And if they yeah. laugh at a certain spot and you have to hold for the laughter or they gasp or they, you know, or somebody is, you know, opening candy and crinkling things <laughs> in the middle, you know, like it changes the feel in the room. Uh, yeah. Um, the kid starts crying, you know, yeah. like those, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Um, I had kids next to me who jumped up and cheered for a number oh. which was like the most amazing because <laughs> it was a musical and it was younger performance performers yeah. and I just like they didn't have that edit button that's like oh no we sit and we like what I mean they weren't yeah. disturbing but it, it it's very contagious like if you yeah. see somebody who's like that pumped about something that, that are just ow. enjoying it yes. so much like yeah. taken over by this like experience they want to let you know I don't know it's just like it's yeah. really powerful so I'm grateful that I'm sort of getting this chance to reclaim or re-experiencing and re-experience it again because I loved it in college and for you know I had that time when I was really into it but then I sort of transitioned and it's still it's still here and it oh yeah it's still powerful and it's it's a it's a beautiful thing to be with a group of people experiencing something that is responding to you like yeah you can yeah. I also love seeing movies with a group of people it is very different than seeing a movie at home you know, like, absolutely. I, I do also love that experience, but the movie's not going to change. Right. <laughs> no matter what we do, the movie's right. going to be the movie. But the like, movie's the movie, but where you experience it does make a difference. Like, I sure. wanted Barbie, for instance, I wanted yes. to see that in a movie theater. Yes. I wanted to see it with other people and have that experience. For a while, I thought that people might like come at me because I was cackling from the beginning. Um, <laughs> So but, was I. Uh, you know, and crying and all, and all the, yeah. all of it. Yeah. But, but really I wanted it. I knew I wanted it to be a communal experience and I will probably watch it again in the comfort of my own home and have a different sort of experience. I want to go with my daughter. Yeah. I want to go with like a big group of women. I like yeah. want to go to a theater full of women who are just, I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like it's going to be like Rocky Horror Picture Show where there's like screenings of it and people go for an experience i think i I think it's a marketing great that's such a great i I love that idea and people can dress up yes they write things that you you just like rocky horror where you respond back to the yes yeah and you get kens you got barbies you got like yeah and it just yeah it lends itself to that big campy yes oh yeah, that's such a great idea. Thank you. I'm um, always <laughs> I make this work. Yes. Are you going to host screenings at your theater? You can, you know. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to yeah, figure out for that a little. Battle. You know what I'm saying? Little. Yeah. Special event. I think that'd be super fun. But then yeah. I'm thinking about like all the legalities yes, of that. Of course, because you always... have to get the right to, you yes. know, and how do I do that? And how do I, you know? But boy, would that be fun? That would be fun. Um, um, do you have anything else to say? This time flew by as I knew it would. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, um, no, I just, yeah. If you haven't watched Slings and Arrows, you 
absolutely should because it's it's a workplace comedy is really what it yeah. is. It yeah. just happens to take place at a Shakespearean theater. The characters yes. are a hoot. The performances are top notch, and most of the most of the performers are um, are Stratford Shakespearean performers. And so when they do the Shakespeare, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then it it's is. hysterical. I didn't well. know and, that, but I did think like, oh, this is really impressive. You yeah. know, it's like when you watch a movie and there's dancing and you can tell if people are actual dancers. Yes. Um, and it makes a big difference. That's why I yeah. thought watching the Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. When they, they start weren't. to speak the Shakespeare, yeah. it's just um, yeah. gorgeous. It's just transcendent. transcendent. And also a big part of the creative team for your musical fans, speaking mm-hmm. of musicals, were... Um, we're, we're part of Drowsy Chaperone oh, helped right. write and we're part of the original cast of Drowsy Chaperone. And so if you enjoy that musical and the humor in that musical, there's a lot of that feel in the show. So it's. Well, thank you for that tidbit. Of trivia. Yeah. yeah now, so. now, you know, and Paul Gross, who plays Jeffrey in that opening scene and throughout the whole show, I think he's brilliant. Yes. Um, just played Lear at Stratford. I'm so sad. I missed it. I really would have loved to have seen it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lear is hard. Yes, <laughs> to boil it down to the simplest word to describe it, difficult. So yeah. when someone does it well, yes, I would have loved to have seen it. each yeah. season of Slings and Arrows. They focus on like one major production. Mm-hmm. So the first year, and and then you see the themes of that production all the way through. So the first year, Hamlet is it and you you get all those themes and there's a ghost and there's all sorts of stuff and the final season is Lear um and he's directing it this character Jeffrey is so so I would have loved to have seen him play it but alas and it's like a love letter to theater so if, if that's really your life is. I can see that it speaks to you yeah you know on another level like you're being seen and I think that's something we all want from our media is to be seen. I think that's absolutely, yeah. And like I said, I had no, I just had no idea how much running a theater was going to be about the bathrooms. And But it is, you're right, it's such a metaphor that you have to be willing to do that work and do the the mundane, the banal, the dirty work in order to do the art. And, and it makes the art better. And everybody needs a functioning bathroom. So. Yes. As a person who is always in there before and in intermission, like yes, the person who's like, I think this is intermission, <laughs> pops yes. and leaves. Do I get to repeat? Um, <laughs> um, so, if people would like to learn more about open book theater or Krista, where would they do this, Krista? Where would ah, they go? Well, we have a website at openbooktc, like theater company, openbooktc.com. You can find us there. We're on. I don't even know all of the things, but we are on. Um, we're on Instagram. Instagram and Facebook. If you search open book theater, you'll find us. There is an open book theater. They may have closed. There was an open book theater in England for a while. And I got confused, mm. but I think they may have closed. Um, yeah, we're on the, we're on Twitter, but we're not on yeah. Twitter. I know. It's, <laughs> I kind of, Twitter it's kind of the state of affairs there right now. Well, yeah. thank well, you. Right, it's not even Twitter anymore, right? I it's haven't X, been on since it's switched. That's I don't want to call it that. Um, thank you for joining me, Krista. It was a pleasure, as always. Thank you for having me. Yes. And thank you to everyone who listened. I know. It's fun. This is basically an excuse for me to talk to people that I want to talk to. I love it. You know? That's how I try to approach it. Like, 
this is a lot of fun. Come join us. So thank you for everyone who, to everyone who's listened. We know you have a million choices of podcasts to listen to literally probably a million. So thank you for taking the time to listen to us. If you enjoyed it, like it, share it, follow us, do the things. Thank you.